Hey everyone, what's up? It's your girl Nakia and welcome to the Fearless Kia Podcast. All right, let's get into it. Let's do it. All right. Hey, everyone. What's up? It's your girl, Fearless Kia. Welcome to the Fearless Kia podcast. I hope everyone is inside and staying safe. I'm not playing with you. I know the intro already, Doug. Really? That's how you feel? I know the intro, nigga. Let's go. They want me to, you know, let me live. (laughs) Anywho. Um... So as I usually start off the episodes with a quote of the day to get us started, this week's quote comes from Madi Wooder, who I went to college with from Bucknell, Ray Bucknell. And the quote goes, the price of greatness is understanding that good will never understand you. You will be mocked, ridiculed, ostracized, and abandoned. And all of those labels are still better than ending up average mm. Mm. that's a bar a bar a bar and with that being said let's get into this week's podcast guest the most average nigga let's go nah. <laughs> this week <laughs> this week's guest is a new york city born and bred creative and cultural strategist currently he is a strategy lead at spotify Prior to Spotify, Chris served as the head of strategy for music and culture agency, Premier Music Group, where he led brand strategy for artists and music strategy for brands. Prior to Premier, Chris served as the director of social strategy at Anomaly, where he led the Hersey Portfolio's social and digital efforts, including award-winning campaigns for Kit Kat, Jolly Rancher, and Reese's, in addition to Calm Strategy across Budweiser Global, YouTube Music, and Doses. In his spare time, Chris can be found watching the Knicks take a L, which, I mean, it's no longer existent since we are in quarantine. I don't know if that's or, a good thing. <laughs> or consulting with artists. It's a pleasure to welcome to the Fearless Kia podcast, Chris Lubin. My friend, Ooh. Chris Lubin. Yo, 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 what's good? Thank you for having me. What's Thank you on? for finally joining me. Thank you for finally asking me to be. Oh, nah. yeah. <laughs> we do this all the time. I know. <laughs> we do this all the time. Um, yes. Thank you for joining me. Uh, first, I want to ask, how are you? How are you doing? How is quarantining right now? How the family? Um, is everybody good? Yeah. I mean, like, I guess, like, before I start complaining, like, I'm just... Uh, <laughs> I'm happy that the family's healthy. Um, most of my friends are healthy. A couple of my friends caught it and beat it. So that's, you know, mm. um, and that was early on. So it was a little scary at first, but then, you know, young and healthy and um, survived it. So first of all, if, yeah, I guess just like, I'm just grateful everybody, everybody like in my immediate, 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 immediate circle is good. Um, there's people around me that have obviously um, not been so lucky. So um but yeah, I mean, quarantine's, it's weird, man. Like, it's, it's, it's weird. I think we talked about this. Like, I'm from New York, and, like, I've seen a lot of shit go down in New York, and I've never seen New York City like this in my life. And it's, mm. it's crazy, like, you know, walking outside. And I live in Harlem, and it's crazy walking outside. And, you know, you're walking down two-fifths, just, like, taking a walk, or you're walking through the park. And 
either ain't nobody outside early on at least or now you just see people like in masks everywhere so um it's a weird time for sure and i feel like um i think everyone's just kind of adjusting to it right like everyone is just kind of getting used to what this is because this is what it's going to be for a minute like i think people who think we're just going to get up and go back to whatever normal was like in a month it is mistaken it's really really sadly mistaken yeah um so you know for me it's about um just figuring out what like lame what my foundation is going to be right now so that in a month and two months when this is still going on that i, f- I feel better about it than i do now because it's just been a lot of up and downs right now to be honest wow enough enough covid19 quarantine talk for now since we are still in it We're still in it we're gonna be in it for a minute but i want to get into today's conversation so chris what is your deepest fear um my deepest fear so when you initially asked me this um uh i think i wrote to you like yeah i think i said like my deepest fear was not realizing my potential um Mm -hmm. yeah and then (laughs) and then we talked since then and like like it definitely is and then i talked to my therapist since then i talked about like it just came up a conversation like fears and what your deepest fear is and like I told her, she, and she, she was curious. She was like, so what's your deepest fear? And I told her, I was like, yeah, I think my deepest fear is like not realizing my potential. And she was like, oh, okay. And then like we kept talking and I was like, I'm also afraid of drowning. She's like, oh, word, tell me more. Um, so yeah, I, I don't know. Like, it, it, it definitely is like, because the thing I lay awake and think most about every night, like I don't think about drowning every night, you know? Um, mm-hmm. But I do like lay awake and like the thing that keeps me up every night is, you know, how are you going to, make the most of your God-given talents of what you've been given of how lucky you are in certain situations. Um, how are, you know, it's, how are you going to, how are you going to keep pushing us forward? So um, I think, you know, it's a, it's an interesting question to think about when you really sit down and think about it. Cause I think at first you would say like, Hey, my deepest fear is something really visceral, you know, <laughs> like drowning or death or something. But um, for me, when I think about like what my deepest fear is, it's what like literally keeps me up at night. What literally like um, gives me anxiety, you know? And what and and that is, and that is like I like at the thing like it, it really is just like not living up to what my what well like I view my potential as, you know. And I think, um, yeah, that can be viewed as like however, but I think I think I have a certain kind of view of uh, you know the way that I think that my my successes should should be and my failure should be and how i want to use those successes and failures and ultimately like the the path that i want to chart for myself you know so um it's it's like really funny when you talk about potential right because like i'm someone who you know i've not always had like the highest confidence i've been someone who um you know have been like it, it goes up and down for me like some days I think I'm shit. Some days I'm like, damn, what am I doing? You know? Mm-hmm. Um, but it, but I always have this deep seated belief in myself that like, you should, you're supposed to be doing something great, you know? Um, right. And that shit chases me every night. And I just, you know, I want to get there. So what do you see when you wake up every morning and look in the mirror? I see crust in my eyes usually. Um, I'm saying it's true. Uh, <laughs> what, uh, do you, <laughs> what do you see? What do you see when you look at yourself in the mirror? Yeah, I think like I think of that's yourself. how do you think know, of yourself? I, <laughs> I think um I think that's been 
that's been like the that's been the battle for for myself you know like is kind of seeing the person that you know deep down is inside you know is mm. um is actually believing that that really is that person you know and not just like you know like not having that person just like come by every once in a while or you know having that person be an acquaintance but as you said like seeing that person every single day so i think some days i see that person you know some days i really do see that nigga you know um and some days i don't you know some days i, I wake up and um you know it's it's not the person that like that like I really imagine myself to be. So um, I've been taking steps to like, to, to, to help with that, you know, like I've What's got that? a morning routine down yep. pat now, like six steps solid, like routine to like a great morning, you know? Um, uh, and like that just helps me get my mind right, get my body what are those right. six steps? Um, so I start off every morning. Um, like I used to be really wild about like waking up and just checking my phone. Like I would wake up and I would, just scramble to my phone, scroll, 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 check Twitter, check my email. Um, so now I leave my phone on airplane mode every night. Um, and just so that like, I can't see anything when I turn my alarm off. Right. Um, so step zero for me, and this is something that I learned from a friend actually, but, um, we always think about like healthy sleep is like, how much sleep are you getting every night? Right. And like, that is really important, but what's most important is, are you going to bed at the same time every single night? Are you trying to wake up at the same time every morning? It's not so much like, yes, you should be getting seven, eight hours of sleep, right? But it's also like, yo, can you train your body? Can you train your mind to get up at seven, seven, seven o'clock in the morning, seven thirty, seven thirty in the morning, eight, eight o'clock in the morning, whatever time that is? Um, so that's been like step zero. It's just making sure that I'm trying to like set a routine the night before. A, a good morning starts the night before, right? Like whatever you put into your mind the night before is what you're going to wake up with, you know? Right. So if you're on Twitter on some bullshit all night, like you're going to wake up thinking about that in the, in the morning. I have that in the back of your brain, you know, but um, if you go to bed and you do like a little gratitude journal or you just like chill out and read a little bit, like you're probably going to wake up in a better state of mind. So um, yeah, step zero for me is just like the night before is like having that good routine the night before. And then when I wake up, it's, you know, not polluting my mind with any, notifications with twitter with emails um i just try to lay in silence for like five minutes you know just literally just lay there um and then i do my little meditation uh, i got a little morning meditation routine um it's just 15 minutes uh every two minutes a bell because i find <laughs> i find my mind just like drifts off when i'm meditating um especially early in the morning so that bell is just a good reminder to just like get back to center focus on the breath you know um, I journal immediately after that. Um, and I do intention setting. I do, um, gratitude, just like three things that I'm really grateful for, grateful for. And then I make a to-do list. Like I'm, I'm one of those people that like, if I don't know exactly what I want to do that day, like I'm just kind of like wandering, wandering around aimlessly all day and just like going from nothing to nothing instead of being purposeful, you know? So Try to just be real intentional about like what I want to do that day. Well, um, you mentioned meditation. I was going to ask you how has meditation made you more mindful? Meditation is dope, man. Meditation changed my life, to be honest. Um, I'm someone who suffers from really bad general general anxiety and social anxiety. Um, so I, you know, I live in my head literally um, before every interaction, before this podcast, before a meeting before like going out to like even hang out with the homies, like 
it's I'm always living in here and playing out like exactly how something might go. So mm-hmm. meditation has helped me to um, just like, I, th- I think the biggest thing is like, it's helped me to figure out how to pause. And when I am in my head to not be in my head so much and to just get back to my breath or get back to some kind of anchor so that it's not like your thoughts running away with you or, um, you know, the, the worst parts of your mind, wherever they want to take you. Right. But it's getting back to something really solid, like your breath. Um, it's, it's interesting that you say that about like being in your head. I was talking to my therapist and I mentioned this to another podcast guest that I was telling him that, you know, I don't know how to kind of process, you know, certain things. I think I overthink. And he was saying to me, like, it's not that you overthink, it's that you underfeel. And a lot of times what you're feeling, you're not really taking the time to feel it, but you're in your mind Mm -hmm. already coming out, you know, thinking about the outcomes, thinking about Mm -hmm. whatever is going to happen versus actually feeling yourself through that process. You know, even if you're afraid, I'm going to lean into that fear, you know, and then see what happens if I go out to that, you know, get into the social setting or do that interview or work on this project or present in front of this big meeting room, whatever that case may be. But or walk outside. <laughs> yeah. It's just interesting that like it's so simple, but it's also kind of like mm, when you say it like that, you know, I'm literally just your mind is racing. You're not feeling it. You're just like, you know, this could happen. That could happen. But it's just interesting that you even mentioned that. And then, and I'm super happy that you mentioned that meditation when you said it like saved your life. I've tried to practice meditation through during this time. And I will say, as I've taken the time to reflect and journal things out, um, I've been able to have a more um, clear perspective on things. Mm-hmm. I do it at night versus in the morning, but mm-hmm. I know that I'm a night person, so it works yeah, yeah, for, for sure. me. Um, but it's interesting that you mentioned that. I also think that as someone who is a strategist, you're always in your head. Always. Um, so I wanted to kind of talk a little bit about your career and understanding your perspective of being um, a black male in strategy and whether you had any obstacles or challenges that you had to face as you were working your way through kind of the agency side and also the music industry side, because um, I know from my perspective, it's very rare that I see a lot of black male strategists on my end in the media side of things, but shout out out Jeff. Yeah. Yeah. But I know, I know on your side, it may be different, right? Because you're in the strategy world, but I would love to kind of just get your perspective on if you've had to face any obstacles or challenges being in that role as a black male and as you climbed up the ladder into um, your position now. Yeah, I think, well, hold on. Let me backtrack a little bit just to close one little loop right real quick. Um, Just to wrap up the morning routine thing, because I think this is really important, you know, and, and we'll get back to the other part, but. I think something that's really important is, um, for me anyway, is um, after I journal, I just like try to get a quick workout and try to sweat a little bit, right? So whether that's like taking a walk somewhere or like doing a, a little bit of stretching, like I just try to like get some physical movement in. Um, I, feel, I feel like that helps my brain a little bit too. And then what I found to be really, really important is just like hopping in the shower, right? And just like visualizing success for that day, you know, just like 
I used to be the person who would like, I get in the shower and I just put music on real loud or put a podcast on real loud. And now I would just like, I go in the shower and I just like think through what my day is going to be and I visualize my day going as well as it could go. Um, so that, that helps like, as soon as I get a shower, I'm just like, okay, let me just attack the day now. Um, so yeah, that's the Chris Lubin six step guide to a great morning. Um, <laughs> in terms of, uh, <laughs> in terms of uh, strategy, yeah, it's, I think the biggest obstacle is, for, well, for me anyway, it was just like knowing that this was a, even about like a viable career thing, you know, like I'm, I didn't even know that advertising was something that people do growing up, you know, mm-hmm. it was something that I kind of stumbled into um, just from being out of school and, you know, not really having a lot of options, you know, it was, you're the young kid who kind of knows social media, like be our social strategist, you know, and like, that was my entryway into strategy. It wasn't through any program. It wasn't through a, a course in college or anything. It was literally just through like me bumming it on Craigslist for months and months and months trying to find something to do. Um, and someone into that. So I think like the biggest obstacle and something that, you know, I definitely want to make sure I give back with is letting kids know that like, this is something that's viable for you. Right. And a lot of the strategy people that I know, a lot of the great strategies that I know actually didn't go through that path. They didn't go through taking like being a strategist in school or taking an advertising program in school. They're, they're just really curious people who might've studied like English or philosophy or art or something. Right. It's, so I think like that's like step one is um, even knowing that this shit could be a career for you um, and knowing like what skills could be used from your, just from your life to be a strategist. There's nothing that makes somebody, you know, a great strategist besides like being curious, you know, and being really, really, really curious. So there's a lot of people that have that scale that aren't exposed to it. Um, I think once I got, go ahead, go ahead. No, go ahead. I think once I got into strategy, um, I think when I was first coming up in strategy at agencies, like, cause I didn't, you know, I didn't work at, um, I didn't work at like the big, like the super big agencies at first. And I worked at these really small agencies and all of these agencies were white, 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 white. Right. So I think, um, one of the biggest challenges for me early on in my career was, you know, as you're trying to like, be successful and fit in in these crowds that you're not really all the way accustomed to being around and people that you're not really all the way accustomed to be around. A big challenge for me was, um, it's, it's like, not, not like trying to be what the people around me thought I should be, you know, like Mm -hmm. I think people have an expectation of you when you come in as like a black strategist or the only black person in the agency. Right. And like, there's certain, people who work in certain corporate environments will know what I'm talking about, but there's certain things that people will like expect out of you. Right. And like, um, I think like, no one like, when does be like, nah, nigga, like, like, fuck out of here. <laughs> like, I think that, I think that's really important, but it definitely took me like a couple of years to like figure that out when I was coming up in my career, because when you're young and coming up and like, <laughs> like I dropped out of school, you know, like I would, like, I was thinking like, I got to hold on to this job. Because this is the only thing that's only thing that's keeping me afloat right now. Um, so you know you're not trying to ruffle too many feathers and shit. But I think later on in your career you learn like let go of that shit and just uh, learn how to say fuck out of here some more. Word. All right. I didn't know you dropped out of school. I dropped out of school my 
So this goes, learning new things about each other every day is right. This goes back to my like uh, <laughs> some of like the mental health crisis I've had. I dropped out of school my right after my junior year of college because I was really fucking depressed, just like mm-hmm. incredibly depressed. Um, and I think you know, I think I kind of faked it through school for a while. It just wasn't the right environment for me. Not like school wasn't like I didn't mind school, but the school that I went to the location I went to just wasn't the right environment for me. And it took me a long time to realize that. But when I did, I was like, like, as soon as I realized it, it was like a moment for me. I was like, I got to get my, I got to get my ass back home. Right. What state was that in? It was in New York, but it was in Rochester, Rochester, New York, all the way upstate where it, (laughs) it literally snowed eight months of the year. Like, I had to build like tunnels in in my college just so we can go to class because it snowed so much. Or else they have to cancel class all year. Yeah, I think it's important that you even noted that like it wasn't the right environment for you, and it played a huge component on your mental state. And I felt that similar way about New York. I love New York. Was in New York for eight mm-hmm. years. No shades to New York, and this is nothing bad about New York. I love my experience in New York, but I didn't realize how the environment played a huge component on my mental health. Or somebody would say like you get. Seasonal depression is what they said. I'm Seasonal depression disorder. Depression, you know, in the winter, it'd be winters in New York. And oh, bro. And you're in an apartment in New York and you don't have no windows in your living room. You walk out to a dark, like well, I used to walk out to a dark living room, kitchen area. All of that plays on your mental Where was you life. living, bro? You don't have no windows? In the living room <laughs> in Brooklyn. I know, in Brooklyn. But in my bedroom, <laughs> I had a window. But it's just all of those things, right? space yeah. the size of your space the environment you walk out it's dark so, you go outside and it's light then you're going outside and you find people on the street to just get in you know get to yeah. the train and then you get on the train and you fight to get on the train to get to work like all of those environmental variables play a huge component on your mental psyche by the time you get into work you're exhausted i am exhausted okay and the last thing i wanted to hear you coming at my neck about something in an email that I've already sent you, and then I have to hit you with the per last email. Like all of those things started to like weigh on me as I got older, but I didn't understand what it was until I moved out of New York. And then I realized, like, okay, it was the environment of this hustle. Uh-huh. Like, there's a hustle and bustle environment in New York, which is great in your twenties. Me getting to my latter ends, latter in years of my. 20s started to see that it was shaking up my you know mental yeah yeah way too much and i was like i cannot i can't i can't do the trash i can't do this, this. hold on hold on hold on hold on you gonna stop talking about my city like this though no. you, got, you gotta chill bro you, yeah. you, you gotta chill you gotta chill i'm at trash on the street let me clarify what i read the trash but it was just it was just hard. Like coming to LA, I'm not saying it's easy to transition all the way across the country. But what I will say is that having space, having the greenery, the 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 nature, you know, nature, seeing mm-hmm. the mountains, seeing the beaches, seeing just the sun every day, I needed that, and I didn't know I needed it until I was in the environment for it. Look, I'm. I'm, I'm going to say two things, right? New York got sun, first of all. So stop trying to shit on my city like this, okay? Um, <laughs> also, like, uh, you know, I I think we got to be conscious that, like, 
different places are going to give you different things at, at different times of your life, right? So like, um, what you need from, what you need from, uh, like what you needed from New York, you probably got in New York at, at, at that time, right? And what you're getting out of LA, you probably need from LA right now. Like, you know, I go to, I go to LA a lot and like LA is not, LA is not my scene, right? Like I can't, I can't walk out of LA at two o'clock in the morning and go get a sandwich. Like I can't do that. Right. There's certain things that like my New York lifestyle affords me not now because this whole shitty set down, but there's certain things that like New York affords me that I really value. Um, mm-hmm. that's, right for me, that's right for me right now. Right. Like that's not to say in five years, I'm not going to be in a completely, completely new place. But for right now, like, yeah, I love, I love everything about my city still. Don't let Chris lie to you. He definitely came to LA and been like, damn, should I move to LA? Like, next question. So next question. What things did you do differently that could have set you up a little bit better? Um, yeah, so I would have, like the thing that I think back at the most that I would have done differently um, was that I would have went to a different school, as, as I mentioned. Like I could have... Uh, I could have literally, I could have went to any school I wanted to after high school. Like I had offers from anywhere that I wanted to go to. Um, and, you know, I, I was young, I was immature. I was also the first person in my family to go to college. I was the first person in my hood to go to college. Like um, I didn't really have like the support system around me. That's like, take this shit really seriously. Um, you know, like this, like this is how you do this. You know, I was just kind of winging it. Um, so I didn't really take that whole process seriously. And I do regret not taking that process more seriously because I do think, um, college is a big decision, you know, like obviously I've, uh, you know, you can get over some of that, but I think college can really set you up in terms of, you know, the, the college you go to is just around like who you meet and who, you know, and those connections that you make for the next five years, 10 years. Um, and I love my college experience for the most part. Um, but I think if I would have went to another school choice of mine, that it might have set me up a little bit differently. I might have been, I might have got to where I'm at right now a little bit sooner. Let me let me put it that way. Well, um, God makes no mistakes. So you got to where you are based on all of the things and the decisions that you right. made to get to where that's you are. Right. I don't regret this shit. I, I don't. Period. Thanks. So I want to shift gears a little bit because I know you're really huge. We talked about meditation earlier, but you're also a plant dad. Facts. Lots. So. <laughs> a whole lot. 31, I think, right now. Yeah. So um, I wanted to ask, well, I wanted to have a conversation with you about um, how caring for your plants taught you to care about yourself because as a plant dad and a new plant mom myself, I got a little inspired by you. Um, plants require a lot of care. Lots. So I wanted to ask, what has caring for your plants taught you a little bit about caring for yourself? Let me ask you a question. What plants <laughs> did you get? What plant? I have a spata um, sensation and I have a peace lily, which is mm. like a, another form of a, a spata. Yeah. Um, a peace lily is a plant that I can't keep alive. I've had two peace lilies. Listen. In, in my old crib and now in this crib. And no, in my old, old crib and my old crib. And I can't keep that. I, I can never keep a peace lily alive for, for nothing. Listen. Every spot, everywhere I can't. It, it's hard. Oh, bro. I told you, like, I yeah. am going to run a load at some point um, to go get some new soil to repot it. I just don't know what I'm doing. Check the roots. But 
again, I'm a new plant mama, so. Yeah. Um, like a child. So I, I think like <laughs> the plant experience is like really humbling, right? I think more than anything else, it's like um, one of my first plants, <laughs> one of my first plants uh, was just like a little like cactus plant, you know? And it was one of my first trips to LA. I was going out to LA like 2014, I want to say. And my roommate at the time, like, I knew this motherfucker wasn't about to, like, go into my room and, like, take care of my plan for me while I was going, you know? So I'm like, okay, how can I set my plan up for success right now? Mm. Uh, and my dumbass, like, being the first time plant dad and, like, not knowing what to do, I was like, okay, coconut water is good. It got nutrients. It got electrolytes. Like, let me, like, put some coconut water in my plant. So I dumped, like, a Vita cocoa into my, uh, into my plant like, right before I left. <laughs> and I came back three days later and literally like the whole shit had just like rotted, like the whole thing had rotted out. Um, so don't, don't do that kids. Um, but I think like, a, a, like being a plant dad offers you like, it's really humbling, right? It's like, you don't really know what you do. Like you can read everything online about like how to care for your plants and everything. Right. And like, sometimes that shit is just not going to work. You can follow it to the T. You can put it exactly with it. Everybody tells you to put it in water as much as, and like sometimes that bitch is just going to droop and fall down and die. And like, that's a really humbling experience, like caring for something that's like alive <laughs> and then like having that, having that shit die on you. So I think it's really humbling, but it also teaches me like patience. Um, uh, like I've started a lot of plants from damn near nothing and have them grown and then like have them grow to be crazy. And then like also like start, you know, a little, kids and grandkids off of those plants um just like taking like a root out and repotting it it's like a new pot so um i love i love seeing the growth i really love seeing taking a plant from like you know a little, little shrubbery kind of thing all the way to like um like a full-blown like adult plant you know um yeah humility and patience for sure um and just like it's kind of vain but like they look good too like plants like like plants spruce up everything around you they bring like there's a reason that um you know people are attracted to plants right they bring life to you they purify the air around you um you know plants have their own personalities their own energies you know like <laughs> they, they are like kids and they are like kids in a way um and then the vain part of me like yeah they they're all like they're beautiful plants are really just gorgeous things so do you see those they're in my plants right now Am I, oh, that's what the question was about? Oh. No, I'm asking, like, do you see those same qualities in yourself? Do you take care of yourself with that same level of care? Oh, nah, like, nah, nah, nah. Patient, nah, humility, nah. seeing that they're gorgeous or you're handsome, being that, you know, that, that it's a certain energy and personality that emits and how that energy impacts those around you. Yeah, I, I've, you know, I think it's, um, once again, like, I think it's a learning experience. I don't think I've necessarily, like, taken all those learnings from all of my plants, but I do think, like, you know, knowing that you can do everything in your power, right, to make something go the way that you might want it to go, or, and you have, you might not have any control of the situation. So I think, like, um, it, it has, like, the most applicable thing that it's taught me is, like, sometimes just to like let go right like <laughs> you can do everything perfect and sometimes things are just out of your control and so you have to just learn to let go sometimes you have to learn to just like live with that sometimes and like 
not beat yourself up over it and like be kind. Like one of the things that me and my therapists talk about the most is like just being more kind to yourself. Um, like no matter what happens, right? Like um, if you've done whatever you can do to put your best foot forward or to like actually make an effort to something, like cool, that's it. And then whatever, like whatever the result of that is, is the result of that. And it may not have anything to do with you necessarily, right? Yeah. Like, like yes, me killing my cactus with coconut water, that was me for sure, right? But like me, <laughs> me and my peace lilies before, like that peace lily just didn't want to be around me for whatever reason. And that's cool. I gotta, I gotta live with that, you know? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I know you mentioned therapy. Why did you seek, how long have you been going to therapy and what made you want to seek out therapy? Um, I've been in therapy full time for a little over a year now. Um, therapy. So I had a couple of bad experiences with therapy. Um, I won't go too deep into it, but my first experience with therapy was in college. Um, I lost a friend. Um, yeah, I lost a friend in a drunk driving accident. Um, and my college, like, did some mandatory, like, therapy for that. I actually didn't do it because I didn't see the value in it. I was just like, I'm going to smoke weed and um, I'm going to deal with this. And then I tried therapy again. Well, I reached, I did, like, an outreach uh, about two years ago, I want to say, because um, I just, like, I wasn't feeling right. And therapy is also something that I thought I wanted to do, and I never made the effort of going to actually try to do yeah. <laughs> people's like experience therapy, right? Is that like, you think about it for so long, you're like, I know there's something to be doing. And like, I know I should be doing this, but like, there's something that's blocking you from doing that. Exactly. And, and I finally, one day I was like, you know what? I'm gonna do this. So I found a therapist that took my insurance and I called up and they took, put me through this like 30 minute screener. And they, like, they asked about, you know, what was bothering me. And they asked about like my drug and alcohol use. I'm like, yeah, smoke weed, a drink. And they were started probing a little bit more into like my weed and my like alcohol use. And they're like, we think you, we think you'd be better off a drug and alcohol counselor. And I was like, "Uh, what? Like, now now mind you, like before anybody in podcast thinks like, it's not it's it's not like that at all um but that you know that that just kind of turned me off to the whole experience though because i was like why would you like turn me away if like i'm seeking help you know Mm. Um, you know and i think that's that was really discouraging for me as someone who doesn't seek help often Mm. and then to try to actually like let my guard down and try to seek that help and then be turned away like that really just shut me off from therapy for a long 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 time again after that um and then I was, uh, yeah, I just randomly one day was just, once again, just like, yo, I need to talk, you know, because you have those feelings. Like once you start thinking, like once that bug is in your ear, that bug doesn't get out of your ear. You know what I mean? Um, so I randomly just like found a therapist through ZocDoc, I think. And I've been seeing her for, yeah, I've been seeing her for a year and some change. And she's great. Like she deals with me. She's she deals with like me not having insurance right now and gave me like a discounted rate and all that. Like nice. she's the homie, she looks out, you know? So, um, and it's, it's a kind of therapy where it's not, um, I think, I think I'm someone that craves like answers. <laughs> I'm like, give me an answer to this problem, you know? And she's very much like, nah, like you, I'm going to help you figure this out or I'm going to leave you with a breadcrumb and 
you nibble on this for a little bit and then you figure it out, you know? And I think I, and, and I think that I thought that I was looking for answers for someone to be really prescriptive with me. And I really wasn't, I was really looking to just like figure it out on my own mm. and, to, and to work through it on my own. And that's, that's what therapy's really helping me with is helping to work through some of these issues on my own. Cause I've definitely tried to find the answers to shit and, you know, look to people for answers and, that's n- not really where you're ever going to find the answer. You're always going to find the answer like in you. Um, yeah. She's really helped me to find those, you know, not like everything, obviously it's a, it's a process, but she's definitely helped me to figure out how to navigate some situations um, myself. Yeah, for sure. My therapist always tells me I'm here to give, to reflect back you, mm-hmm. you know, I'm trying to give you the healthiest part of you back to you. You know, mm-hmm. I'm just giving that. And so I think it's interesting that you even said that um, even in your experience in therapy for the last year, like being able to say like you were seeking help, you were seeking guidance, you were trying to figure out the answers to things. And um, sometimes what I would, clearly I recently had my therapy session, but (laughs) (laughs) What was told to me was that, like, you know, there's been a past history of certain type of behavior or certain things that you've been seeking that have not been um, delivered. And so you move that way in different parts of your life. And I was like, I mean, clearly that's something that could be so simple. But when somebody else says Mm -hmm. the same thing back to you after you just expressed it. It just comes back a little differently. Sometimes um, shit hit different, yo. Sometimes shit hit different. And so... I, I think it's, well, one, I'm so happy that, like, you did follow through after the other two times. It didn't necessarily um, work out, but that it is being super helpful. I How long have you been in therapy? Two weeks. Two weeks, okay. Two weeks. I, I as well have been like you. I know I need to do this. I just didn't put in the effort to do it. And, yeah. and a part of, I think it's not, for me, it's not so necessarily about um, not wanting to ask for help. It was more so that the process of finding someone who's going to really speak to me and uh-huh. help me unpack these things. I have a problem with processes. I know that may sound uh-huh. very crazy for people who know my occupation and work. That's all we deal with is process, process, process. But I have a problem with the process of things. Like I like the end result of things. Mm-hmm. With the whole process that it takes to get, get to, like yeah. to get the therapist, it's like damn, I gotta sit here and look. I gotta find yeah. someone, then I gotta go through this, and I gotta open my heart out. And then if it don't work, now I gotta go find another person. It's like the I already thought the process through. Exactly. So I'm like, no, nah, I don't. It's, it's a lot of effort. It's a lot of energy. I'm not willing. Isn't and that first like, session like really weird too? Like I, I found like I almost didn't go back after my first session because I was like. This is what I'm going to pay money for? Like, <laughs> Yeah, the first session I was like, I mean, I could have told my... I'm going be honest. The first session I was like, I mean, I could have told myself this. But the yeah. way that he said it, there's something here. Let me... I'm telling myself that this is what I need to, to break through and move beyond certain things. So let me thoroughly go through this process. Uh, but yeah, that was... That's how I've approached things. Like, I hate the process of this. this, this, this I love the end result of it. But that's how a lot of people approach things and they don't want to put in the work and do the work to really get what they need and understand that you had to go through each step of these processes to get there. But again, quarantine is 
bringing out my weaknesses. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Bringing out the weaknesses and allowing me to see them clearly and move through them. Um, but I want to shift gears just a tad bit on your love life. I know that we talked about um, your career. We talked about um, your deepest fears and even your love for meditation and plants. Now, I kind of feel like, um, what do they call it? Some people say therapy emotion for some things when mm. it's like, oh, you're running, that's therapy emotion, watering mm-hmm. a plant, you're meditating. These are all ways that we're doing therapy in different, in different methods and different methodologies. But I think love and relationships is also important too and pour into us as individuals. So I wanted to kind of transition there and talk to you about your love and dating life. Well, we know that you're in a, for those who don't know, Chris is in a committed relationship. I said, well, we know, like, <laughs> I know, but everybody knows this. Chris is in a committed relationship. Um, I wanted to ask you, as a young Black male, I mean, clearly we're not 30, but still, you got into a relationship, I want to say, on the latter end of your... Clearly we're not 30? I said, clearly we're 30. We're in we're our 30. 30s. Oh, we're 30. Oh, yeah. Okay, yeah. Like, clearly we're in our 30s. Yeah. Don't you got to pull my shit up like that, but yeah, I'm, yeah. Yeah, sure. I didn't say how old you were. I said we were not 30. <laughs> but I wanted to ask you, um, because you, I think you got in a relationship in your latter 20s. Yep. What made you want to go off the market? It's really hard for black men to tap out and be like, all right, I'm out of the game. I'm yeah. retiring to Jersey. I'm out the streets. Hanging it up. Hall of Fame player. Hanging up the Hall of Fame. Jersey. What made you want to go off the market? Uh, it was her. It wasn't like any, <laughs> it wasn't like, it wasn't like, I'm not, you know, definitely. <laughs> yeah it, it was her like it wasn't like i was at that time like i'm like i'm gonna settle down or nothing right like we met at a at the time that like i'm actually really not proud of of the way that i was dealing with women um at, at all like that was i look back at that time and i'm like damn nigga like that was terrible um so yeah it, it definitely was like me, not me being in like the right in like a mindset of like hey it's time to settle down at all like that definitely wasn't it it was um it it happened where you know you meet somebody and um it, it happened really quick for us too right so it happened um i'm not, not gonna give all the details but it happened like really serendipitously like it wasn't like a date we wasn't like out at like a bar or nothing like where that environment kind of happens right it was just a different a whole different kind of environment um and like once you catch that feeling you get that feeling and you just know, like I kind of knew from our first conversation, um, mm-hmm. that's what it was going to be, you know, like <laughs> you, there's a certain, like we spoke about energies a little bit, right. There's a certain energy that was in the room when we were talking, we were talking one-on-one, like it wasn't no distractions. It wasn't nobody else in the room. Right. It was just us two talking. Um, and I just got that energy and I was like, I want to, f- I want to keep investigating this i want to keep interrogating what this energy is about um and yeah we've haven't stopped hanging out since to be honest like um like i said like i was uh not proud of where i was at at that time with women at all um and the things i was doing looking back at it but 
um, I think, you know, she kind of, uh, she definitely like pulled me out of that and like haven't, haven't looked back at all, you know? Yeah. What ha- how has um, your partner, your girlfriend challenged you to be oh. a be- better version of yourself? Um, I think, well, one, I think she's like two things, right? One, um, she's my biggest cheerleader. Cheerleader. She always, uh, you know, lets me know, um, that I am worth it, that I, that I am doing great things. Like it's the remind, like, like I think I mentioned early on, but you know, when you suffer from confidence issues and anxiety, like you live in your head and you can kind of you know, not even think that you're worthy of some things that are coming your way, some of the blessings that are coming your way, right? So, um, you know, I was struggling with a promotion that I got like a year ago. And it's weird because like you get a promotion and you're like, yeah, this is what I worked for. Like, this is it, right? But it led me into like this spiral of like, am I worthy? Am I good enough? Right. And every step, you know, she was there reminding me like, you work your ass off to get here. There's a reason why you're here. There's a reason why you're a VP now, you know? Um, so I think like always being in my corner, always like reminding me like, nigga, you got it. Like, (laughs) you know, that's one. And then I think two, I think just as important is like calling me out of my bullshit. Like I'm not like when we argue, like I'm the type that I'll just like go away and I don't want to talk about it. You know, like let's let this shit, let's figure it out when we figure it out. Let's not like confront it all right now. And um with her it's very much like no we're gonna figure this shit out right now we're not going to sleep like this like whatever it is like even if we end up yelling at each other like let's just let's at least let that out rather than like letting it simmer for a while um so i think dealing with conflict because that's helped me deal with conflict with my family too um having to deal with like relationship conflict so on like both ends you know like boosting the nigga up when i'm feeling really low and then also just like calling me out on my bullshit i got a lot of bullshit we all got bullshit, okay? Um, yeah. Uh, one last thing as we wrap up the episode, you yep. are a lover of music. Facts. You gave me the look like <laughs> lover of what? And I was like... Well, I didn't know you was going with that one, beloved. I know. Well, a, damn! You know, I know my friend. Hello. I'm a lover, I'm, I'm a lover of of pants. I'm a lover of sneakers. Um, uh, you know, love music. No, yeah, I do. If I you do. had, if I had an album that could tell your current, like where you are currently in your journey, what album would it be? What album would represent you? You was like. I'm at this point, I'm at my, I'm just making this up for me, but I'm at my Janae Aiko, you know, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> I'm just saying, like, I may be at that point, but I'm just saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that would, just to give you an example where I'm going with the question, like, what album would be, what phase you're at in your life right now? Um, I don't know. I mean, I don't know. That's, that's, that's a hard question. I think like, uh, I think, okay, so let me ask this question in like two ways, right? And edit this however you want to edit this. I know, I know, I know. I know. I'm, <laughs> once again, I've taken, this is the Fearless Chris podcast, okay? Um, so 
the the my album that I think just like that I love the most represents like my life as a whole the most is uh my beautiful dark twisted fantasy it is like from start to finish I think like the best album of all time um I think it's a it's weird kind of like analogy analogizing that to like my current life because that's like Kanye his peak and I'm hoping that like that's like I'm not in my peak right now you know so um, I can't give you like a specific album, but I can give you like an archetype of an album that is like something that it's a little bit more still getting better, right? Something that is going to age a little bit better the more that you listen to it. Something that is like not that person's like best body of work yet, but you'll look back at it really fondly and you'll be like, damn, that was good. That shit was slept on. I think, um, I think like some of my years right now, I think it's hard to see like how good it is in the moment right now. Um, Cause you're always like chasing like the next thing, you know, you're always like, what's next, what's next, what's next. But I think uh, for me, it's, I, w- I hope to look back on some of these years and be like, damn, that was like, that was really fucking good. I should have like appreciated those years of that album or that, that record some more. You, you want an album, don't you? Okay. That album would be. I'm not, no. Oh, you don't? Okay. Yeah, I don't know. Go ahead, Chris. That's what I'm giving you. This this has been the Fearless Chris podcast. Thank you for that. <laughs> Chris don't never want to answer my question. I'll ask a question and Chris asks me a question. So, I'm not about to actually I'm usually not on the job. I don't, have an answer for that. I don't know. I'm usually but I would have phrased the question as X, Y, and Z. Yeah. <laughs> if I if I don't got an answer for it, like isn't don't you think that's a problem with like speaking with? in general? People always feel like they have to give a definitive answer. It's not always about definitive answers. Sometimes it's it's cool to say I don't know. I'm cool with saying I don't know. I don't think there's Very anything cool. wrong with you saying I don't know. I'm cool with that. Let me think about that though. Can we do like a follow up? No. Uh, like in like the show notes? No. <laughs> no. No. Why not? Mm-mm. Y'all don't don't take us seriously. This is how we are as friends. <laughs> um, but I want to wrap up the episode with One more question. A quote okay. that ties back to the person's fear. Yep. Which is you reaching your full potential. Yep. But you also mentioned drowning, so I kind of want to do a combo of two. Yeah, do it, do it, do it. I'm really I'm really afraid of drowning, y'all. I never um I never learned how to swim. And I don't know if something happened to me as a kid, but uh, I, I've tried to learn since then. I have a really, like, I do have a growth mindset about swimming. It's not fixed. I do have a growth mindset about swimming. And something about it, like, I get in that water, I just flail, flail, flail. Anyways, yeah. Okay. Well, it's very simple, and it sounds very not insightful, as you would say, but I think that this quote is pretty much so. From the drowning component, because we did talk about this the other day. Um, a quote from Lewis Cole, it goes, you don't drown by falling in the water, you drown by staying there. Mm. And I think that that's um, really important because the idea of drowning is more so that you don't know how to swim, but you can learn how to, you know what I'm saying? Taking that mm-hmm. process of learning how to swim versus just staying there. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not what you do once you get in the water. It's what you do to get out. Is that the quote? 
No, I'm saying that. Oh, 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 that was good, right? That was good, right? Oh, I was like, is that part of the quote or not? Bars, bars, <laughs> bars. And then the other quote, which is anonymous, that goes back to your fear, which is the best view comes after the hardest climb. The best, say that one time. The best view best comes view. Oh, yeah. after the hardest climb. So it's more so keep climbing to your highest potential and that is reachable by continuous effort. Once you get through that hardest climb, the best view of yourself is at that mountaintop. Everyone that's listening, um, thank you so much for tuning in. I'm wishing you nothing but love, light, and a peace of mind inside of your home. Chris, thank you so much uh, for joining me. It's a pleasure. I've been wanting to do this with you for a while. You guys can see our friendship displayed via the episode. <laughs> Um, but I do love this guy. Like he has been a breath of fresh air and a great energy in my life since we, um, embarked on our friendship. And so I just want to let you know that I appreciate you. I value you and continue to climb my friend. If you have any, um, thing that you want to say before we close out the episode, Chris? Yeah. Um, I think, uh, I want to thank you for having this platform to have people come on and talk about some of this shit. I know it's not easy to, you know, I, we can sit here and joke because we're friends and shit, but it's not easy to talk about some of the shit, to talk about some of your fears, to talk about some of your anxieties, to, um, you know, to talk about some of your, your neuroses, talk about what makes you uncomfortable, right? So um, I appreciate you having this platform and making people feel comfortable to get on and talk about it because it's, people need to know that they're not the only ones going through some of this shit and need to know that they're not the only ones who feel, feel some of these ways and are dealing with some of these things. So I think uh, this podcast is a great way for people to whatever stage of life they're in, whatever they might be going through at the time um, to just know that like you're not alone in all this, you know, and I think it's really easy to feel alone, especially right now. Um, yeah. Feel like really alone. Um, so thank you to everybody who listened. Thank you to you, Kia, for doing this. Um, check my album out when it comes out. You um, know what? I'm I not playing with you. I'm not playing with you. I'm going to close out the episode now and wish you guys a great weekend, a great work week. Um, it's your girl, Fearless Kia, and Chris. Fearless. You're... you're.